It's time for building the game. Building the game. With Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The the end of the episode that's when it technically ends hello and welcome to building the game a documentary podcast today is monday may 22nd and you're listening to episode 573 as always i am your host jason and today i am joined by an awesome guest a a repeat guest from many moons ago actually it seems like uh that is game designer tanner simmons hello tanner howdy how's everybody doing it's good to have you here i I'm trying to remember, did we, have we met in person like once? Did we actually get to meet in person once? Sadly, no. No, we have never met in person. I didn't think so, but I've been wrong before. (laughs) They're like, (laughs) we've never met. And they're like, yes, we have. And I'm like, oh gosh. (laughs) So I, yeah, because I met you, I think post pandemic. So, or during the pandemic, uh, you originally came out with Gray as part of Grubs, which is, yeah, you're just, you're just up the road from me in Grand Rapids and. Right? You're in Grand Rapids? So actually, I'm from oh, the uh, eastern side of the state, up uh, right. sort of outer Detroit area. You are the guy in Grubbs who's not actually from the Grubbs area. Did you join that when they expanded during the pandemic? Yes. So yes. Was, yeah, like right after right after everything got shut down, quarantine, I was looking for some online groups to join. And I said, well, I should try to find some local designers. And uh, Grubbs was the first one that came up. So I was like, well, maybe I can squeak in a, <laughs> a right. Grand Rapids visit every once in a while when things clear out. But mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. Uh, they're a good group of people up there. And so you got to go to Grand Con. Have you been going to Grand Con or no? Uh, I unfortunately have yet to go, but um, okay. I've heard it's awesome. Yeah, really. Yeah, it's great. Lots of lots of people from from quite a few ways around uh, drive up there because it's just a it's a fun little convention, you know, and uh, I think a lot of your Grubs friends would be there for sure. <laughs> yes, yeah, so. no, definitely need to make the trip out someday. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, what you uh what you been playing lately? Anything good? Anything um, jumping out for you? Yeah, so you know, I um for the longest time I told myself that like I I was never going to be a, a, much of a like a solo gamer. Um, oh yeah, and um yeah, I just recently I, I mentioned um you know prior to our uh, start here I mentioned like oh you know watch too many horror movies so I'm a big horror fan <laughs> and uh, I I got into uh, Final Girl um if you're familiar with that yep, I yeah. am yeah um, yeah Van Ryder. Yep. So I just picked that up. Uh, it was about a month and a half ago or so, and mm-hmm. I've I've already played it so many times. I love it. It's great. Um, yeah, very excited to to dig into more of it. I'm I'm doing that restraint thing where I'm like, okay, you can play the base box, you know, a couple times, and right, you, know, right, you don't have to run out and get, get all the stuff. So no, I've been just right, yeah, right. very very much enjoying. I think I did the Camp Happy Trails, like the that's the one I think most people recommend you start with, and that that's been super enjoyable. So. I was trying to remember, did AJ design that one himself or is that somebody else? Uh, AJ Van, was that good by uh, AJ Porfirio? <sighs> you I know, I remember. I, I want to say no, but. Okay. I was just curious. I couldn't remember. I haven't, I haven't played that one yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I don't think so. Gotcha. Well, maybe. Doesn't say. I was just curious. Um, I, uh, Oh, it was Evan and AJ, the two owners of the company who did it together. Mm, okay, yeah. Gotcha. Um, Van Ryder, what really put them on the map, if you like solo games, uh, if you're liking them now, that I would strongly suggest check out his Hostage Negotiator uh, right. by AJ. That was their first game that really did it for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and kind of made it, I mean, it, I felt like the game on its own was like, people were like, whoa, solo games, check this out. Uh, <laughs> and I don't care for solo games in general either. It's just not my deal. But I'll tell you what, uh, that game, when I was losing cubes uh, at the time, because I was I was one of the people who play tested, I was losing cubes and I was really distraught about losing cubes because they were oh, actually really? people and I was failing as a hostage negotiator. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that is a high stress, but pretty fun solo game. Uh, and I've, I've never played it since the final version, which I've heard is even better. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I've I've heard really good things about Hostage Negotiator. I actually didn't check it out because some people told me that they felt like Final Girl was sort of like the sort of like the next evolution of it. But I've 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 gone back and seen it. it's like no, some people really dig that original mm-hmm. version I, of it. I, so I bet it is though because I mean, you know, they made that game. They made a ton of supplements for that game and a bunch of expansions and stuff. And I'm sure they learned a lot of lessons for what worked best. And then yeah, so Final Girl being the next evolution makes so much sense. So, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. But no, so this uh, podcast sponsored by Van Ryder Games. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
to uh, uh spread the love a little bit i um <laughs> speaking of um because we were talking about places uh you know where we're at in the state and such mm-hmm. um yeah, yeah. so on the east side um i started meeting up at a um at a group uh, in detroit which has been really great and um i don't know if you're familiar with uh chris chan he he did um the night cage uh which is through um mm-hmm. smirk and dagger yeah um, yeah yeah so yeah, I've, I've actually been uh, able to meet up at groups with him, so which has been really, really awesome. And oh, um, cool. I, I was introducing uh, the Night Cage to a friend of mine the other night, and I was like, "Man, this game is so compelling! I love, I just love the aesthetics. Yeah. The, yeah, the, again, it's that horror theming. Something about that yep. stuff just pulls yeah. me in. I, I love to see more of that. So, I think it's yeah. I mean, when you find a genre in a theme that really, really does it for you, that's I think that's so great. If you're really into theme, and I'm, I'm into theme, and so. When I find those themes that click, you know, like for me, city builders, I love city builders. So like, or, you know, village builders, town builders, whatever, anything mm-hmm. where I'm making buildings, like I think is super fun. So like anytime I see that theme, it like, for me, it's hard to not be like, I should probably just get that game. And then I end up <laughs> with a lot of games I haven't played uh, or played once. And I'm like, yeah, no, that wasn't for me. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, sometimes that happens. Like I had played Dice City, I think. And... I enjoyed it, but like what I read the back of the box and I looked at the reviews and stuff and, and I really saw what the game was going to present. I was like, Oh wow. Like this is exactly the game I want. <laughs> and then I, I played it and I was like, it's not like if it actually, for a while I was working on a design inspired by what I wish that game had been like, you know, I was like, gosh, I wish this game was something. And it's a great game. Like it just, it wasn't what I was hoping for. Right. You know, when I was, uh, yeah, so that happens sometimes, but mm-hmm. not yep. to end that part on a sour note, but <laughs> you can check it out. It just wasn't what I thought it was, which sometimes is enough to make you be like, ah. I think we, we tend to fall into that trap sometimes. We get excited. Yeah. We hear about a game like, oh, this sounds like it's going to be right up my alley. And then yeah, right. you don't do your research. You right. just you dump in or jump in rather with both feet. And uh, yeah, then you'd find out it's not quite you were looking for, even if the game is still good. Right. Exactly. Exactly. We're going to talk about your game Inside Job that was published, uh, just came out from Cosmos. Um, and is this your first or second game that you had released? Yep. So um, this is my first officially published game. Um, yeah, I've worked on a couple other projects sort of surrounding this one, but this happened to be the one that got uh, got picked up and, and published. Right, right. That's super cool. Yeah. You never know how that's going to happen, right? <laughs> right. So, so like I said, we're going to talk about a topic inspired by your creation of this game uh, that I thought was super interesting. Uh, but so we're going to start out uh, by having you tell us all about the game uh, in general and uh, how it works. So, yeah, let's do it. Of course. Yeah. So um, so Inside Job is a uh, is a trick taking social deduction game for uh, two to five players. Um, the idea is, uh, everyone, you know, in standard trick-taking fashion, everyone is dealt out a deck of cards that form their hand. Um, but in addition to this, everyone's also going to be given a face down roll card that's going to be randomly distributed. And then privately, mm-hmm. everyone gets to look and see, okay, this is my role for the game. Um, you know, very classic, like werewolf style. Yep. Um, yep. Yep. And then the idea is that, uh, in, in the basic game, at least there's some alternative rules you can throw in and such to mix things up. But the, the mm-hmm. base game, uh, there are, a bunch of agents who are kind of working together to complete these mission cards that get revealed on the table um, and are kind of influenced by the cards that are played into the trick. Um, but one of those players is actually the insider who is sort of like a traitor player. Um, they're doing their best to kind of, you know, prove their innocence, make sure no one's catching on to the fact that they don't want the missions to get completed. And um, in the game, whenever you win a trick, uh, you're going to obtain one of these little briefcase tokens. Uh-huh. Um, and everyone starts with one of these to begin with, but every trick you win, you'll get an additional briefcase added to your little supply. And the primary way for the insider to win the game early is by actually getting enough of those tricks won. So if you can win enough tricks in succession, mm-hmm. um, as soon as somebody hits that threshold um, of how many briefcases you need to win, you reveal your role. If you're the insider, you win immediately. But let's say if you were an agent, you would actually still reveal your role card, but then you would prove to everyone, hey, look, I'm an agent, uh, so I'm innocent. And the game would actually continue, but now you have a little bit okay. more information to kind of go off of. Because um, the last kind of twist to the gameplay is that you're going to continue to play tricks, um, but then 
uh, you're going to get down to either one or two cards in your hand based on the player count. And then if the game still has not ended yet, either, you know, if enough briefcases weren't won by the insider or if the agents didn't complete enough of their missions yet, um, it's going to come down to like a vote phase where everyone gets to kind of openly discuss like things they have observed during the game. They can, you know, make as many accusations as they wish. Say like, oh, I think it was Jerry because, you know, Jerry played this really suspicious card on turn you know seven but he said he didn't have it on turn four right oh um, yeah 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 so you can and you can speculate as much as you want but when everyone's ready you hold your finger up and then on the count of three one two three you point at the person mm -hmm. you think is the insider whoever gets the majority vote has to reveal their roll card and uh if that person is the insider the agents win because they were able to pick out the correct suspect but if it actually ends up being an agent the insider wins by uh, uh -huh. eluding everyone right right Right. I like that. So if I am an agent, if I'm an agent and I reveal my card, I keep playing then or no, I'm correct. Yeah. Okay. What yep. happens if I win a trick then after that? So, um, so there's, there's a little more nuance to the, the briefcase, um, tokens and such that kind of play mm -hmm. into like revealing yourself. But yeah, like when you reveal yourself as the agent, you still continue to play and you can still win tricks. Um, but there is a crucial sort of like secondary use of these briefcases that um, you can use during the game where uh, as long as you are not the lead player, you're allowed to wager by putting a briefcase on your card, which turns it into the current Trump suit. Um, okay, okay. Yep. And uh, I, I did neglect to mention the mission cards a little more in detail. Each mission card has sort of like a specific thing that they want from the players out of the trick, like you know, no cards above seven. Like all the cards have to be ah, seven or lower, right? So, so I might play a seven and say, oh, I mean, an eight and say like, that's all I had. Exactly. Because you okay, might be yeah. bound to following suit, that sort of thing. But um, in addition to the, these conditions, each mission card also has the Trump listed on it for that given trick. So, mm -hmm. you know, you could lead with um, like a yellow card, but then the Trump might be red. So somebody could say, oh, well, I don't have a higher yellow to beat you, but I could put a briefcase on it to turn it into Trump effectively. Um, okay and when you reveal your role you lose that ability to wager at that point so okay so it becomes harder to win yeah so there's a little bit of a trade-off by revealing yourself right. giving giving more information on the table but interesting yeah and uh there was something else i was going to ask about that too um oh you said it plays two to five players yes so How does uh, work with two players so so it is a variant um so yeah three to five you play basically how i described um right. everyone just gets dealt cards normally and you play as such but in the two-player variant you have the two human players and then there's sort of a you use the you deal out the standard size of you know cards for each hand and then the remaining cards form a deck and mm -hmm. that actually takes the place of sort of like a, a third uh, a third like middleman player um and then what you'll do is whenever you win a trick the other player so whoever's leading the trick, the opposite player gets to control this middleman character um, and play okay. a card for them. And they draw three cards from the top of the deck. Out of those three cards, those are what that middleman character can play. And the middleman also has a hidden roll face down. So you're trying to you're trying to figure out, do I trust the human across the table from me more than this fake person who doesn't actually exist? I see. So yes. So if I'm if I'm the the traitor, then I and, and I control the middle person. Then I'm going to be trying to fail. If I'm the if I'm not, then then the opposite, right? So, mm -hmm. but the idea is that we could both be the the good people and not know, right? Exactly. Like I have seen games where both players are innocent, and it's the 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 fake player who actually is the the dummy, or the, mm -hmm. sorry, the the dummy is the traitor. Um, yeah, 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 and, yeah. Both players are, you know, super suspicious. So, because there's still a voting phase at the end, and they vote for each right. other, and then it's like, oh, okay, the, literally we got beaten by nobody. That's embarrassing. <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the one the one caveat to that is the um, the middleman can never, even if you are the traitor, they always have to still follow lead suit if they can. Um, so you can't you can't have the same uh, flexibility where right because it would be really easy right for yeah. 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 So yeah, there are some some maneuvers you can make to kind of benefit either side, but it's not uh, yeah, not quite as uh, beneficial as you might think um, from that angle. Very cool. Very cool. Awesome. Well, let's. Uh, so I would love to dive a bit into you know like when you we were talking like hey I was like you I saw you had this game coming out I was like I'd love to have you back on the show let's chat about it 
And um, and I said, what should we talk about? Like, I was like, what are some mechanics in the game? And you're like, well, it's social deduction and trick taking. I was like, well, that's what we're going to talk about then. <laughs> uh, those are not two mechanics you hear very often as a thing that people are smashing together. That's the first. I mean, there I'm there very well. Maybe in other games that do that. But like mm-hmm. that for me was, um, you know, like uh, it, I don't know, it just felt like a really interesting. Um, I mean, I know that you've got games like your standard trader game where like I'm trying to sabotage, but, but melding that into a trick taking format is really interesting to me as a way to do it. That's different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so actually I, I will mention this game too. There, there is another game that, um, has come out that is very much, uh, like hidden role mixed with, um, yeah, mixed with the trick taking element. And that is the game shamans. Um, okay. I've not heard of that one. Uh, it's it's very cool. I've, I've played it. I really enjoy it. Um, but the way it kind of handles the trick taking and social deduction meld is is definitely it's got its kind of own unique flavor. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The um, but to touch on um, yeah your question about sort of like how did I arrive you know at this sort of melding of the two and what was mm-hmm. the reasoning mm-hmm. for, yeah. for continuing down that path? Um, it really it really came down to you know I was wanting to make a game that kind of involved two genres that I really enjoyed, but I didn't know a great deal about right off the bat. I was like, oh, I really want to start like getting into these two separate genres. And this is mm-hmm. a great excuse to play a bunch of them. Because like if I'm making right. a game about it, I should play right. a bunch of right. them right now. So I, I do- dove into those things. And um, what I was finding that was really interesting about that blend was that I think trick-taking games inherently are deduction games, right? You're, you're card counting, of you're course, trying yeah. to... Yep you know, feel out, you know, what cards players have left and it, it gives mm-hmm. you sort of a sense of the table. And those are, you know, those are tough skills to learn when you're first learning trick taking games. But, you know, that yeah. was something I was starting to pick up on. And I, I thought that was really cool. And I was like that, I think that can get pushed a little further. Um, so that was where I was like, this hidden roll thing is great. Um, like a great way to kind of pull more of that deduction out. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I, when I first started developing it, I, I kind of went for, the angle that shamans actually ended up going for, which was kind of cool to see that that thread of the development kind of go spawn into yeah. a completely different yeah. game, um, which is where you know you have your hidden roles, you're you're still playing um, tricks and such. But in that game, it's uh, it's multiple hands, and the idea is okay. um, every time, like so, let's say I won as the trader, you would get X amount of points for winning as the trader. Mm-hmm. But if like the the team players won, they would get so many points you know, cumulatively across the whole board for, for each player who was in that team. Um, mm-hmm. And then you would shuffle up all the cards again, deal everything out. Everyone would get a new role. And the idea is like first to get to X amount of points wins. Oh, interesting. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So those, so you could, you know, you could play a game where you do get the trader role, like multiple rounds in a row, or you could, you could never get the trader role. Potentially you're always playing on the team. Um and you're trying to get up to that that point scoring method, um, and that was sort of what I did for mine. Except it was it was still single hand, but it was you were kind of getting graded based on like, okay, how many tricks did you win as this role? So if you're this role, you get this many points for winning X amount of tricks, and then right, you know right. it was is kind of scoring off like that. And what I was finding was I I kind of wanted a more like a more pure kind of like leaning more into the deduction aspect um, mm-hmm. level of play, and I I wanted it to feel more. Like it wasn't a game where you had to like write down your scores in between rounds and then start again. And cause I wanted it to have a little more of like a single play party vibe. Like you could throw it on the table, play it for 15, 20 minutes and then pack it up that kind of thing. Right. Right. Um, so I ended up going down that route instead um, where it was a little more definitive and it was less points based goals and more of like a, right. Yeah. That makes sense. Very, very, very base goal in order to succeed. So. Mm-hmm. And what I, I like is, you know, because with trick taking, obviously you're playing the cards face up, I assume. So like everybody yeah. knows what card I played. Where with so many other like hidden roll games, especially trader hidden roll games, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got where you're secret voting, right? So you're trying to say, okay, the deduction part is, was Tanner in this group this time and that time? And they failed both times? <laughs> like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Maybe Tanner's trying to make him fail, right? Um, an interesting point you brought up, though, that I'd love to touch on is, yeah. Um, I worked on a game with Banana Chan um, that was a, a hidden role deduction game. And um, every round, the roles would change. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is, that's an interesting like facet to me. Like we had debated about that. And 
for for a game like yours, I think, yeah, what you did makes sense, right? Because like you don't want the hidden role to change every round. But I think there's a case for why that can be cool. You know, with with our game, the idea was that you were um you were pretending you were basically a ghost taking over, like possessing a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you're doing that, you're trying to like play the role of this person and you've got a few, you've got three quirks that this person has and you're going to focus on two of those quirks. Right. And at the end of the round, everybody's going to try and figure out who all the ghosts were. And, and, um, and then the next round when it pivots, you could be the same ghost again, but you're probably not. Right. And by being a different ghost, now you are acting out what I just acted out, but possibly very differently. Right. That's so So, fun. (laughs) Yeah. So like, um, so I think there's a strong case for both, right? In that game, we actually ended up because one of the cards was the human card. There was always one less, the there was always one extra body. Like basically, there was an extra person at this party uh, that wasn't going to get possessed, and that person's like, "What the heck is happening?" <laughs> right? <laughs> but they're trying to just be cool. Um, so you're also trying to figure out who they are. And the big thing was the humans can lie, but ghosts have to tell the truth. So like. Um, mm. So we went back and forth when we were talking with some publishers about it of like, should it be that there are two sets of role cards, right? Where one is, am I a ghost or a human? And then every round ghost cards are passed out. But if I get a ghost, um, I just ignore it, right? Because I'm a human, so I'm not actually a ghost. Um, And I thought that was like, it's such a tough, like there are so many positives and negatives to to each version. There's... I don't think there's really negatives. I guess there's just a lot of positives to each different take on that. Absolutely. Um, you know, where in a game like yours, I think it would have been harder, right, to do it that way because if the agent switched every round, right, and now I'm the bad guy, right, that's, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it's a little hard to figure out who's doing what. <laughs> For sure. Um, yeah. But I I, mean, I think that's a, I think that's a, a cool thing to, to think about, like as an experiment of like, what are the reasons why, you would do one or the other, right? Um, Absolutely. You know. And I, yeah, my my major goal with this game too was I, I wanted it to be very accessible. So that was like kind of the big, the big decision point of like, okay, let's make the goals very simple, um, you know, very linear to obtain. Um, I mean, not linear to obtain as in like, there's no choices in the game to be made, but like linear as in like, you know, your goal is very focused. You you know what you should be striving mm-hmm. for, what, whichever role you get. Whereas, like, if it's a game where you are switching roles, like, regularly, there's sort of, like, a, a dissonance, and it requires a lot more... Um, it requires a lot more from the players. From, yeah, like, a... Yeah. yeah, like, they... You know, you invite your, your buddy over who never plays games ever, and then it's like, okay, and we need you to act as these three different, entirely separate, you know, sets of rules. Right, um, right. And that that can that can definitely be a, a harder sell. So I wanted to make sure the game had those accessibility options in it or mm-hmm. not. Not well, a little more on that. But um, yeah, like I just wanted the game to be easy to introduce to people um, and also kind of avoid a lot of the trappings of some other like deduction games that I, I found a little a little more like distasteful. Like one of the biggest things with like a game like Werewolf, for example, which, you know, mm-hmm. I did yeah. draw inspiration from, of course. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's impossible, I feel like, to make a social deduction game with rules mm-hmm. and not even accidentally draw from exactly Werewolf, right? Because we it's just it's so out there. It's got 12 different names. There's so many different I've played multiple versions of Werewolf. Some yep. of them were even called Werewolf, right? Yep, you know, yes. Um yeah, so Yep. And uh, the big thing that that's always kind of rubbed me the wrong way about Werewolf is the the concept of like, you could start playing the game. And after that first night, you're just out of the game immediately. Right? Mm-hmm. Like somebody yeah. gets chosen to get picks like first and it's like, well, I played the game for five seconds. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and that first person that gets killed literally did nothing. Like exactly. Yeah. Like who should we who should we get rid of? Oh, Tanner done. Okay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like yeah. but but I didn't do anything. <laughs> Exactly. And it's like you you try to like pitch that to somebody who doesn't play games regularly and then that happens to them or they see that happen to somebody else. They're right, like, man, that right. doesn't seem very fun, right? Right, right. Um, and if it happens to them, you've probably lost them, right? Exactly. I yep. mean, I even find with Werewolf, like when like if you like if you play a version of Werewolf where there's more characters, um, like I mean there's either werewolves or villagers, like in the simplest version, right? Yeah. And but then in other versions where you've got like these different things you can be when you get stuck being a villager 
the game is a thousand percent less fun i feel like oh yeah than when you can do other fun stuff like mm-hmm. i'll be a werewolf all day like just because like i get to do something right being a villager like you're just you're trying to figure it out but like so many times i feel like in werewolf it's just it's ridiculously subjective right like yep. with a game like yours i'm able to say like hey tanner said he was he couldn't play a four and then he just played a four what's up with that right <laughs> exactly um and uh or the idea that i could lie about that is also pretty cool right mm-hmm. like i know you already played the four before but then i'm gonna like pretend that you well he couldn't play this four how did he do that you know um so but like with a game like werewolf it just feels like punishingly subjective right mm-hmm. you know um so yeah i'm on board with you like i enjoy werewolf but i don't know that it's a good game like <laughs> <high> estimation, <laughs> right like it's a classic but yes I mean, it's got, it's got, it's, it's not without its problems. Right. It's a game that, that asks, that asks everyone that's playing to be as much of an observer as you are a player. Cause like, right, right. yeah. Cause once you get knocked out, like you, you have to be enjoying the surroundings. Cause if you're, you know, if you're not like, I've seen people who get knocked out of werewolf and then immediately get up and go, you know, go inside mm-hmm. or cause it's usually around a bonfire. That kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and what you said, too, about the, the card play, that was something I really wanted to lean into from the accessibility as well, because games like Werewolf demand so much social engineering from people mm-hmm. yeah. um, when some people just do not have the capacity for that, especially games when you get a big game of Werewolf that can take like an hour that can take a really yeah. long time yeah. Yeah. Um, and being trying to maintain that, you know, that magic circle for that long. And, mm-hmm. you know, play that role can be exhausting. So that was that was something Absolutely. where it's like, even if because you get into situations in my game where you could be innocent, but you're forced to make a bad move that makes you look bad. But um, the right, card right. play that, that you're given, you know, you, you can lean against the cards to a degree, right? You don't have to lean entirely on like your social cues. You can say like, OK, like I really legitimately just didn't have it. Um, mm-hmm. Not to say that you know social you know social dynamics don't play into the game; they absolutely do. Right, but it's, right, right, right. You have you have kind of like an extra layer that you can kind of lean against um, as a mm-hmm. as a newer player, which I think helps a lot from from people who aren't super used to that genre, who you know don't maybe don't have strong like social skills or just don't you know aren't comfortable being in those environments where they have to lie or feel like they have to prove themselves innocent. Right, right. There's a. Um... There's another game that that uses um, interesting social induction deduction, deduction, social deduction and (laughs) hidden mechanics. I was going to say mechanics and I said deduction. Have you seen Hand to Hand Wombat by Exploding Kittens? Uh, I've heard the name, but I've not. I have no idea how it plays. (laughs) So, you know, those you know, those like little like towers for kids where it's like it's like a like three circle tubes or four circle tubes basically like they're shaped like donuts and there's the stick in the middle and you want to put them on from largest to smallest it's like the classic kids stack like uh, you're talking about like tower of hanoi like that it's almost like a tower of hanoi yeah 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 Yeah. um yeah i guess that is i always think of a tower hanoi as the sorting aspect of it but i guess you are doing that just with one stack but yes so it is like that so you're trying to build these these towers. They're shaped kind of like ziggurats. So they're square mm-hmm. and they've got like dots on them to tell you how large each size is. And there's three of them. And the reason that there's dots on them or n- like little knobs on them is because you're blindfolded. Um, <laughs> and so they have these roll cards where you're a good wa- you're a good wombat who's trying to build towers. You're a bad wombat who's trying not to. And then if you have enough players. You have these other wombats, and I don't remember the names, but they do things like, is a good wombat until the good team is losing, and then they switch to the bad wombat side. Mm-hmm. Um, or the vice versa, starts bad, but will switch to good. Um, but essentially, you put on a blindfold, set a timer for like 60 seconds, and then you try to construct the towers, right? And one person is actively trying to not construct the towers. <laughs> right. And the other three people, in this case, if you're playing a four-player game, are trying to construct the towers. Um, and if two towers are constructed, if all three towers are constructed, then the good team gets that's three gets uh, two points. If one, if two were constructed, they get one point, and then it flips to the other way if you know two are deconstructed or one is constructed, right? Uh, or three and two. So that's so somebody's always getting points. It's always moving forward. And the interesting thing about that game is after the round ends, 
then you talk and you vote werewolf style to eliminate someone. But it's freaking hilarious when you get knocked out because you don't put a blindfold on. So you get to see these people look like morons, like, where's the piece? And it's like, and the, the, you play it in the box. So like all the pieces are in the box. So you can't lose them, but people still do. Right. Of course. Um, But the interesting thing about that is unlike a werewolf game, you can vote out the bad wombat and still lose by just being bad at the game. Right. Um, And, uh, and so it's just this really weird dynamic, like where you're like, you know, like if you get down to like, uh, you could still win if you get down to like a good and a bad wombat. If the bad, if the better person is building it faster, right. Mm -hmm. Um, then you are destroying it. Um, so anyways, it's just, it's ridiculous is what it is. Um, but yeah, it's just a different kind of take on social deduction that I was like, oh, this is really fresh. Like you're blindfolded. It's got mm-hmm. like the best name. Hand to hand Wombat is like such a good name, right? Oh, it's, yeah. And just that blend of like dexterity and social right, deduction. Right. Like what? Right. That's that's amazing. Yeah. So so there's another odd mashup with like a trick taking in that you've got dexterity and social deduction and blindfolds. So, you know, <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous. I'm going to definitely check that out. That sounds, that it's sounds honestly amazing. <laughs> and I want to say it's only like 20 bucks cause it's, it's in target and stuff. So it's uh right. Yeah. I had, uh, I backed it on the Kickstarter. I think I don't even know why they did a Kickstarter, but they have plenty of money, but, uh, <laughs> but I was so excited to get it. And like the um, yeah. And my kids are in love with it as well because it's just a fun toy. And when you're doing it blindfolding, it's just, it's just really funny. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I also trick taking too is like I grew up playing trick taking games. So like I am very passionate about inventive ways to do trick taking games, you know, trying to put twists on those um, trick takers. I feel like get sometimes a bad rap, right? Like some people oh, yes. are just like, Oh, I don't play trick takers. And I don't know why you sounded, why I sounded old when I said that. Cause old people <laughs> historically love trick taking games. Right. Oh, yes. um, like that's pretty standard. Um, but I think anytime we can put a fun twist on a trick taker to keep it fresh, right? It's it's such a solid mechanic, like in mm-hmm. general to me. Oh yeah. That can work with so many things and it generally just takes some cards uh of you know different varied counts, right? Like um yeah, yeah. So I think what an interesting genre to kind of marry up with anything, right? Um Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I um I'm glad you actually brought that point up too about kind of like the some people having that disdain for that genre, um, because you know even growing up because I I had played like classic trick taking games like growing up with my family because you know I'm, oh, yeah, I'm yeah. from the Midwest you know my family yeah, you're from Michigan Euchre. so you know how to play euchre yeah yes and uh, well well that's the funny thing is like even to this day I still question like do I really know how to play euchre or did my family just teach me this like completely like you know sinful under the eyes of god version of <laughs> you know what though i mean so much euchre like i know i'm sure there are rules in euchre that i play when i go to play with somebody else and they're like wait well, that's not a rule mm-hmm. like no you don't get to do that like it's got okay. that same like monopoly thing going for it where yeah everyone's kind of got their right. own specific version right, in their head right. of how it works and that was this game was definitely uh inside job specifically mm-hmm. was was definitely meant to sort of be like an olive branch to like my younger self who like really hated playing euchre as a as a younger person because <laughs> like my family got so you know weird about specific rules like okay like this is how it works this round but like because this person's sitting on this end of the table it's actually this and i'm like what do you mean because they're sitting on the other end of the table <laughs> like you know they're just these that's what it felt like as a child at least to me um, uh-huh. but you know, that was something I, I really wanted to create a game that felt like it was appealing to both crowds. Um, which is, mm-hmm. you know, some people are going to hear me say that and be like, oh, that sounds like a game I don't want to play because you're trying to be too broad. But I, I really wanted it to be a game that was accessible, something I could show my family who did teach me Euchre growing up. They, they have right, enough of right. a buy-in, but they can also enjoy like the social dynamics, you know, because, you know, family right. members like to tend to, you know, like to get really boisterous with each other. So that just Mm kind of easily leans into that. Well, and Euchre is a game that is meant to be played loudly and aggressively. I feel like not in like a bad way, like in a positive, like, like, you know, absolutely. Um, because yeah, it's just a game that is very dynamic 
but that you can have the perfect hand and then just just lose big time because somebody calls a different suit Trump and like mm-hmm. I have all black cards and they're all amazing and then somebody's like hearts and you're like I just I don't ever want to play this game again I want to quit like I'm done I quit <laughs> burn it to uh, the ground but that that mm-hmm. stigma like so this game is advertised as a mostly cooperative trick taking game and um I, I remember when I when uh, Green Couch Games did Into the Black Forest with me and that is. I describe that as a trick-taking game, um, but they didn't market it as uh, they they marketed it as a new classic card game because it feels like classic card games, but it's new and it's different and mm-hmm. it's a different take on them. Um, but like what I would say, it's a trick taker. Jason Guitarist could be like, well, but I mean, like, it's not necessary. Like, it's different than that. Like, you know, like, let's like not put it in the box if it has to be a trick taker um it's it's like a dirty word sometimes yeah yeah right i mean like because some people just are like "Mm, i'm not and that's totally fine i mean like there are types of games that i'm not interested in i'm sure there are types of games you're not interested in um but i i think when you can take a classic mechanic especially and put a twist on it that makes it feel fresh um you know like with with into the black forest the idea is you're trying to catch multiple tricks at the same time and all those Mm -hmm. tricks have different rules but you'll never be able to play into all of them because there's only like two slots for each trick. Right. So like as we go around, I'm going to play in some and you're going to play in others. And um, and then the, the big thing that I'm proud of with that game is that if you lose, you get your card back. So like it's an instant catch up mechanic of like if I play like in Euchre, if I were to play the little Bower, which is the second best card, and then you play the big Bower, mm-hmm. I've just wasted that card. And it feels yeah awful right (laughs) um or if you play the big bower and i only have that that's the only trump that i have i have to play it uh and that's not fun right so this game allows you to have a kind of built-in catch-up mechanic of if you win all the tricks in the first round or most of them you're going to have less good cards than i am in the next round because i've gotten to keep my better cards um and that uh that i think was a twist that allowed it to be a little more accessible to people as well mm-hmm. because it didn't feel so punishing. Cause that is the thing like trick takers, they're luck based, but they're very skill based, right? Like if you, oh, like yes. you take a game like Euchre and if you're really good at that game, you will win that game against people that are mediocre at it. Absolutely. Even if they have better cards uh, because of the strategies and stuff. Mm-hmm. You think about like a game like Euchre and I'm sorry for people not from the Midwest who are like, what's Euchre? But like, <laughs> Euchre is a game where the strategy is not complicated. You, It's like blackjack. Like, you can memorize the strategy of, if I have these cards, this is how I should play them. And that pretty much stands, you know. Um, obviously, there can be caveats to that. But I think in general, it's a game where you know what the strategy should be. And if you play that way, you should do all right. Hmm. Um yeah, yeah. I'm sure there are some people listening to this that are like, I will cut you. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, it's for some people, Euchre is like the golden standard of games. Right, and like, right, you know, right, nothing right. will ever come close. And I they're doing research for for a lot of these these styles of games. Mm-hmm. You know, because there's just such a broad number of them now. I think there's there's like a trick taking renaissance happening right now. Um That's good to know. Like, cause I really like and I love games like into the black forest that was a goal too like how can we make this a two-player trick taker because Mm -hmm. i really want it to feel like you can just have two people play a trick taker and have a good time with it right yep um because that i think one of the for a long time was the biggest worst barrier of a trick taker was you can't just play it with one person you know you've got to have something better than that Mm -hmm. or sometimes even like very specifically you need four people no more no less right yep so no, like, I, I love it. Euchre. When games, yeah. No, can you play three handed Euchre? No. Oh, yeah? um, I'm afraid to say one way or the other, because I feel like someone's going to be mad at me regardless. There's like, there's I, no I'm gonna, I don't as... normally look it up, but uh, um, I'm going to check because uh, because it's Euchre uh, and I don't want to be wrong. Can you play three handed Euchre? How do you play three handed Euchre? Uh, everybody gets five cards and there's a fourth dummy hand to the right of the dealer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've played it this way before. There's just a dummy hand that doesn't mm. that's buried, right? That no one uses. Um and uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh I um it's not like I mean classic euchre is is four people playing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You got two partners, uh yeah, so 
Anyways, we looked that up. Now we know. <laughs> I feel better. We've, we've covered our butts for sure. Right, right, right. You know, um, with the Michigan Euchre police, we are within distance of them. They could come get us. <laughs> they really could. Um, but no, yeah, like I think like this specific time frame now, I just think there's just so many unique twists that people are putting on that genre. And it's like, I, I feel like I'm seeing them crop up everywhere now. Um, as far as just like the unique takes that people are putting on them. And it, it was weird because I remember a sentiment that was put out when I first started working on Inside Job um, back before it was even called that. Um, and it had a completely different theme. Like there was a sentiment that like, I don't know why people make trick taking games anymore. Everything's been done. And I was like, mm. oh, that's a challenge. <laughs> I, I am going to I am going to prove that person wrong. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is um, that's not true. That I don't think that's ever been true about any type of game. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you've proven that not even werewolf uh, has been has been done to death. Like there are new ways to do it by uh, by also making, you know, it a trick taking game. Right. Yeah, like it's it seems like, you know, I think the argument for people is like, oh, well, the best version of this idea already exists or like and I feel like it's like it's it's wild to me that people will make assumptions like that because, you know, we, mm-hmm. we all stand on the shoulders of giants as designers and you so know, much so. Yeah, we're we're all looking to find like the next big thing. And, you know, there is you know, there is that skepticism of like, OK, there's just I think people just hate to see more games made of games they don't like. So mm-hmm. that's like their their excuse. Like, I don't know why people keep making these. It's like, well, because some people actually like those games. Like, <laughs> right, right. I heard somebody say that about rolling rights. And I was like, like, they're like, there's just too many rolling rights. Like, there's nothing new to do. And I was like, literally, mm. that's not I mean, like, that is one of the genres that can be anything. Right. Yeah. Because like, it's just like, it's it's just you're just writing stuff and drawing stuff and and using dice or whatever to to power that. So yeah, I I say make more trick taking games because I like yes. them. Yes, no, I uh, I will take any any quantity of trick taking games for the foreseeable future because every time I see a new one, I'm just like, man, that's that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, one thing I remember a long time ago, John Gilmore saying was that he uh, likes to go to Board Game Geek and look at mechanics and look for. There was some site he had he found that would basically compare mechanics and board game geek and look for games where two mechanics had never been paired up before uh, Mm -hmm. in a published game. And then he would take that and say, okay, you know, uh, like he, they, I don't know that it it ever came out or not, but they had a game called verbosity. That was like a word game. That was a city building game. And I was like, that's, that's clever. Right. (laughs) Um, Because like that hadn't been done, you know, I mean, there's upwards, but that's not actually, you know, like a, it's not actually a city builder. Um, so, so like, I think there's something to be said about that to say, like looking at whatever your favorite mechanic is or favorite mechanics and saying, how, how do I approach this in a way that's different? Um, and in a way that's, uh, that's interesting in a new way with a twist that isn't something people have done before, you know? Um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's a really cool idea uh, for designers to help create some new weird games, you know? Yeah. Just smash, smash the two toys together that you never thought would interact in real life. Right. Like that's, that's really the, at least that's where I came from. I was like, I just want to play around in this goofy sandbox. Like Mm -hmm. these two, these two things that should, or well, at least have never been put together or feel like they shouldn't go together. Cause Mm -hmm. you know, as we just discussed, trick takers are a very divisive genre. Social deduction games are an incredibly divisive genre. Um, so what does that look like when you put those two together? Like, does it bring like those two groups that actually like those games, like in harmony, or does it push them even farther away from each other? Cause makes um, them duel to the death likely, mm-hmm. you know, absolutely. Gonna be... As, as any good game should. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Next. I think next up for you then is so a dexterity based trick taking game is probably a good one. I feel like there, <laughs> I've heard of a dexterity based trick taking game, but I don't know what it is. So one of the one of the members of our Grubs group, actually, um, Brad Bachelor, he he brought forward. I don't know. Oh, yeah, if he's I know still Brad. Yeah, it. Brad's awesome. Brad's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he he brought forward a game. It was a little difficult to test in um, in the programs we were using because it's, you know, it's a dexterity yeah. style yeah. game. Yep. But yep. Um, it was a yeah, it was a trick taking um, dexterity game where the theme was like you were pirates and you were like 
the cards you were playing into the trick you were flinging at your opponent's ships. Ah, yes. Um, and it's, yeah, there was, there was such a fun element to it. And like it, what he was showing us was still pretty early on. And I think we were playing in tabletop simulator at the time. So mm-hmm. obviously there was some things we couldn't quite simulate, you know, like you'll never right. be able to get the finesse of kicking a card over to the exact right spot you want, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But just the, the concept of it was pretty novel. So I was like, yeah, that, that was yeah. just a cool, cool thing to see. Cause that I never would have arrived there. <laughs> I don't think. Right. Right. Yeah, I know recently I started working on uh, a dexterity game that's a dexterity worker placement slash route building game um, because my friend Kelly was in town and we always design stuff online. And it was like, hey, I wonder if we could make something like let's do something dexterity based. And he was like, how about worker placement? And I was like, how about route building? And then we're like, OK, let's try that. And and now we've got a game that we've been working on that's super fun that combines those. And it's it's very haphazard. Like that's kind of the point is that it's just a little crazy and it's lighthearted, but like, don't be afraid to smash things together. Right. I'm like, make mechanics work for you in, in new ways. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, the, there are a lot of super talented designers out there that are making super unique stuff, but I mean, as commonplace, you know, in this industry, we do get a lot of the the very similar things too. So Mm -hmm. it's always nice to see when designers like really, try to push the envelope and say like, what can we actually get away with without just completely driving all of our audience away? Right. Like, mm-hmm. So no, I, I, I think that game that you just described sounds super fun. I would try that in a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah. We're hoping to bring it to us with some, to some conventions this year to test it out. But uh, yeah, now I also really want to try Brad's pirate trick taking game though. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta, I gotta touch base Amazing. and see, see if he's still working on that one because yeah that yeah. that was like i think over a year ago was when i played it okay, okay. Um, but yeah no i i loved the concept of it like when he pitched it i was just like this is nuts but then i played it and i was yeah. like this yeah, is yeah, nuts yeah. in right? the best way that's uh those are that's that guy i always like i always say like this game is dumb in all the best ways like exactly and that's how i feel about kelly Nye's game i'm like it should not be fun it should be dumb but it some turned out it was dumb in the right ways and now it's fun absolutely so, uh yeah, yeah. So I, um, yeah, I would challenge the listeners uh, in our Discord channel. Uh, throw out some some weird combos you think would be cool to mix together or things you're working on. Um, you know, I know this is something that uh, Roscoe Shock from our group does quite a bit, where he'll be just thinking about a couple different mechanics from different games, and he kind of puts new ideas together. And I, I, this is something that I love to hear about because because um, everybody kind of makes different connections, right, when they think of mechanics and stuff and. Uh, so the idea that, uh, people are, are putting them together in their own ways, uh, is really exciting to me. And I like to see what people think of, right? Because a lot of times it's something you're like, I never would have occurred to me to, to put those things together or to try it in that way. And, uh, yeah, yeah. That's why it's great. There's so many of us, right? <laughs> Just a lot of designers, a lot of different ideas. Yeah. We all gotta, we all gotta throw those ideas into the soup somewhere and hopefully somebody right? like ladles out something cool as a result. Right, right, right. Yeah. I mean, that is, that's one of the huge benefits to having so many voices in a community like this is that you can get a lot of different ideas. Um, I mean, so many games I'm always just amazed by, but just the, you know, when, when I, I get so excited, like hearing people talk about like, oh, I'm working on this new game. It, it does this. It's like, oh my gosh. Like, I mean, I just feel like in general, like, you know, trick taking renaissance, we've got this like just game design renaissance where you've got so many cool designers coming up with so many different ideas. And, and the thing is, despite what some people will try and tell you, there's space for all of them, right? Oh, yes. um, you know, there are, there's space to get all of them out there um, and, uh, and get people playing them, you know? 100%. Yeah. I, I, uh, I think the fact that we get so many, you know, unique voices in this space that, come together too and they're they're so generous too with their their ideas and because i've been in you know i've been in different um you know i come from like an illustration background i've worked in comics briefly before oh, right yes i knew that so there's yeah. yes there's you like are good this, at drawing uh, <laughs> i do what i can and um yeah the just the general consensus in this in this hobby which is why i've stuck around for so long and it is just that there's such a um, there's such like a, a love for, you know, somebody's like, oh, hey, I'm working on this thing. And like some other industries might be like, oh, well, I'm not going to tell them my idea that because they might take it and run off with it. And and I feel like in this hobby, I have I have almost never seen that that attitude where people are always very generous with their ideas and their thoughts mm-hmm. about like, 
here, maybe, maybe if you move it in this direction, you might be able to do something cool with that. And that's always been, yeah, one of my favorite aspects of, of board game design. For sure. I mean, there are several designers I've seen who are like, I have too many ideas and they've started like Twitter feeds where they're literally just putting out ideas and saying, take it, run with yep. it, you know? <laughs> Um, for classic card games, I was going to say, you know, I'm always saying like, buy the, uh, encyclopedia of board game design. Like it's so great. And it is, but, or board game mechanics. But, um, another book I've got is here. I'll show you. It's called simple rules for card games. And this is like a big list of a ton of classic card games and how to play them. Uh, and I find if you are really into classic style card games and wanting to turn them into something else, uh, a book like that is super fun for, uh, to check out. Um, because even just reading through and being like, okay, yeah, I don't want to play that game, but that makes me think of, I could do this. Right. <laughs> right. And, uh, yeah. So I, I strongly re recommend people doing that, especially if you're into card games. Um, if you're not so much into card games or classic card games, especially, uh, then it may not be for you, but if you do have that inkling, uh, I'll tell you that even as someone who grew up playing so many different classic card games, cause my mom was has always been super into card games uh, and so were for friends. So I was just exposed to a lot of those games. Um, I still like, and like uh, half those games aren't even in this book. And there's, you know, a thousand more it feels like that I've never oh, heard sure. of. And I'm like, how have I never heard of this? And it's, it's wild too. Cause a lot of those games too, just spawn off from like very similar places, but like, okay, this yes, game was brought yes. to this, this like nearby country or this nearby region. And they put us like just the smallest spin on it. Yet yep, it just turns yep. into this completely different dynamic from that. Yeah. One yeah. Change or, yeah. And reading about a lot of different games, you see the through line in that, right. Where you're like, mm -hmm. okay, yep. Yeah. This started this and now this is that. And, you know, and that's, again, that's cool. They're just people putting their own twists on things and trying to, uh, trying to make it their own you know um and i think you know probably a lot around like the european uh countries and stuff a lot that probably happened a ton because it was very easy for you know things to be passed from country to country and you you had um i mean you know germany big fan of games if you oh, may yes. have heard that before <laughs> <laughs> i don't think i've heard of that country germany yeah. could you no, tell me no. a little more about this germany yeah. they like the spiel that's what they like so <laughs> Awesome. Well, hey, this has been this has been a lot of fun, and uh, this is a cool conversation. I'm really excited for your game. I'm certainly going to check it out. Thank you. Um, Thank you. And yeah, it's uh, it's available if anybody's interested uh, on the Cosmos website. And uh, yeah, the, it's got fun artwork on it. I'm a big fan of it. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to try it after hearing more about it for sure. Yeah, no, it's been super fun, Jason. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to come and uh, talk about my goofy little game. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed uh, our conversation as well. Like I said, for real in the Discord, uh, pop in there and uh, tell us uh, what you enjoy about, uh, you know, two different mechanics that you think would be fun to put together and, and how you would do that. And uh, you can find that if you go to buildinggamepodcast.com, there is a link uh, to the Discord channel, which you can join. You can come to our uh, meetups that we have every week if you're interested, or you can come every once in a while. You can give updates. You can not give updates. You can just listen in. They're at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time every Tuesday. They last 30 minutes and uh, they're a lot of fun. You, of course, can uh, email us at buildinggamepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on the Twitter at podcastbtg at jslingerland. And Tanner is at Tanner O. Simmons. And, of course, as always, you can keep coming back every single week. But until next time, good night. Good night. Building the game, building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Building the game, building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. The end of the episode, that's when it technically ends.